Welcome back to another edition of One Shining Pod. I'm your host, Walker Bailey. Joining me is my co-host, Chris Bolton. Yes, sir. Hadn't been with you in a minute, but we're back now. Conference plays dialed up. We're going to dive into some midseason awards, uh, some surprises, some disappointments, and lots of other stuff. We've got a big week of games. We're going to look ahead at some of these key matchups. Chris, how are you today? Man, I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, It's been a minute, like you said, since we've been able to tap in and do this. You know, life kind of came at your boy pretty fast. Uh, had to move to Kentucky and everything, but I'm, I'm settled in now. Uh, been keeping up with all the all the basketball action and ready to dive back at it and let's get to it. For sure, for sure. So we're going to actually dive in and start uh, with some of our kind of midseason awards. We kind of gave you some preseason looks earlier in the year and uh, we're going to kind of tap back in and see who's doing what. And some of uh, some of these guys on this on these lists have surprised us and have been guys that we weren't really prepared for. So, Chris, I'll kick it to you first. We'll start on the coach's side. Uh, who do you got for midseason coach of the year? Uh, I'm going to rock with Bruce Pearl at, in Auburn. Uh, we, we knew the Tigers were talented coming into the season, uh, bringing in some good guys. Uh, you know, of course, like Walker Kessler was a, a nice addition in, in the portal for them. Um, you know, Jabari Smith, uh, Flanagan, guys like that. We knew they had a talented team, but I don't think anyone expected them to potentially, you know, be the number one team in the nation uh, here coming up when the polls are released, possibly. So Coach Pro's done a great job with the, the talent and making it all come together. It's all working and has a team that, you know, potentially could be a Final Four team when it's all said and done. So uh, this is – it's been a breakout year for the Tigers. Um, and I think, you know, all the credit in the world goes to Coach Pearl. He's, it's one thing to have the talent. Then another thing is to have it all come together and play as a team. And uh, it's, it's working. So uh, shout out to Coach Pearl. One of, the, one of the things you mentioned there that I think has been really admirable about Auburn this year – is the fact that they have so much talent and so many guys who are playing different roles, but you just seemingly never see any chemistry issues or anything on the on the court that causes Auburn any issues. Uh, players have accepted their roles, and now whether they're happy about that or not, I don't know. But mm-hmm. you know, players have accepted their roles. They play into them. They play hard. Uh, they compete on both ends, and I mean that goes. That's a major credit to um, to Bruce. I mean, he's found a way Definitely. to build this roster and um, get these players to buy in. They're buying whatever he's selling. And due to that, I mean, they're more than likely going to be the number one team in the country on Monday after they went over Kentucky yesterday. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go a little bit of a different route with mine. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, you may know where I'm going here. Uh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to give my vote to Mark Adams at Texas tech at this point in the year. Uh, I think a lot of people kind of wrote this program off when Chris Beard left and took the job at Texas. Uh, but Mark Adams has stepped in and similar to Pearl has built a roster just assembled with talent, um, both recruiting wise and through the transfer portal. And he's gotten guys to buy in and he's gotten guys like Terrence Shannon Jr. Uh, mm-hmm. to come back and buy into the program and buy into the roles. Kevin McCuller has been um, such a vital piece for tech and, they're coming off recently a couple a week stretch where you know you beat Kansas and Lubbock and turn around and go to Baylor and find a way to pull off an upset in Waco. It's a program that's legitimately contending 
it's a program that's legitimately contending for a national title after the year after losing their head coach and stuff and stuff like that is almost unheard of. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a team that takes great shots on the offensive end. They can beat you from deep. They can beat you at the rim. And then of course, Mark Adams is almost the pioneer of Tech's no middle defense, which has been so effective stopping, you know, efficient offenses through the years. So, and they're continuing to play. The defense never rests. And so I'm going to give my vote to Mark Adams for the time being. And when we revisit this at the end of the year, that may change. It's, I mean, it's just such a college basketball right now is just so all over the place. There's no real elite teams right now. Right. uh, As far as separating themselves from the pack. Like, I mean, you just have a lot of talent all over the place right now. So with all of that being said, which well, makes for a wild NCAA tournament when that time comes. It does, too. And, you know, we talk about Coach of the Year, and that's the type of stuff. These are the types of guys you're going to want on your sideline in the tournament. Those are the types of guys that you want to bet on to go deep in the tournament. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, Bruce Pearl's taken Auburn to a Final Four already. Mark Adams has coached a national championship game already. Now, I'll buy it as an assistant, but he was there. He with still the knows program. what it takes. He knows what it takes, and he did it with this program, with even with some of these players. Um, so he knows exactly what it takes to get to the big game and probably what it takes to win it now that he's been there. And because, I mean, we're talking about a guy slipping on a corner three from Tech having a national championship trophy in their case a couple years ago. So, uh, yeah, so moving forward a little bit, Chris, I'm going to kick it back to you again. Uh, so go ahead and give me your player of the year at this point. Player of the year. You know, there's there's several guys in the running contention. Um, I'm gonna go with the big fella though. Uh, you know, of course, coming into the year, we we talked so much about you know Drew Timmy and as someone who got you know garnered the, the preseason first team honors and everything. But uh, Oscar Sheboy is really broken out and showcased everything he's capable of for Kentucky. Um, and it's just been a man amongst boys in the paint. You know, the nation's best rebounder. He broke Shaquille O'Neal's record for rebounds in a game at Rupp Arena. Shaq had 21. Well, Sheboy had 28. So anytime you're breaking records that Shaq holds, you're doing something right. Uh, he's been the most consistent Wildcat and has really anchored this team as, you know, they really try to come into their own and, and you know, break out with a lot of the new pieces that Kentucky has, um, including himself. Uh, but I'm going with Sheboy. He's the leading scorer on the team as well, the nation's best rebounder. And in a, in a game that's dominated by guard play, he's really um, made himself very dominant and has really show, shown himself to be uh, one of the best bigs in the country. So I'm going to rock with Sheboy. Yeah, and he just does a lot of different things for that Kentucky team. He does so many – I mean, even gets out in transition and handles the ball a little bit. Yeah, um, he, he does. Knocked so down elbow jumpers now. Nobody yeah. knew he could shoot. Yeah. yeah, he's just done so many different things effectively for that team, and given them uh, almost really since their first really effective center since Bam, mm-hmm. and that's been just a huge piece for Kentucky. Uh, finishing oops, which Kentucky kind of became famous for, you know, over the past decade, kind of getting out in transition and dominating you on the glass, and then finding mm-hmm. ways once they dominate you on the glass to get out in transition and. Um, and punish you. And Kentucky's kind of gotten back to that this year. And the difference with Kentucky this year has been their ability to shoot. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they get better looks because of the, all the attention that Sheboy controls on the inside. 
Mm-hmm. So I think with all of that factoring in, I mean, I think Sheba is certainly a viable candidate. I am going to go a different direction. You know me better than that. I'm not voting for uh-huh. it. Um, it's not I'm like me vote. to go for a big fella either. No. Really, so. <laughs> I'm going to vote. I'm going to take Johnny Davis at Wisconsin. Uh, he was, you know, a highly touted freshman last year that we didn't really hear from. He didn't really live up to the hype. Mm-hmm. And this year has kind of taken that that second year jump. And now he's averaging about 25 a game. And Wisconsin's the number eight team in the country. And a lot of that has been due to the fact that Davis has been so effective. He there were, and I'm not sure if the stat still stands, but there was a time where he was scoring a third of their points. Uh, and so with that being the case, I mean, he's almost solely responsible for the fact that Wisconsin has turned into a, um, has turned into one of the top 10 teams in the country. Mm-hmm. So I think when you can put a team on your back like that and carry a team like that in the power conference, uh, it's just something that you like something you can't not take notice of. Uh, you can't true. miss it. And so every time, every time Johnny Davis plays basketball right now, it's, it's must watch TV. And I got lucky that I kind of caught on to him early in the year uh, on feast mm-hmm. week uh, against Texas A&M. But I mean, every time, every game he plays now is must watch TV. So I, uh, I'm all in on Johnny Davis this year. And right now he would certainly be my vote for national player of the year. That's uh, I mean, it makes a really, a really interesting point right there. When you say, um, you know, you have to watch him. You know, you don't want to miss out on seeing this player. And that can also, you know, be a like a, a slight, you know, added point to his case. You know, if you're classifying somebody as a player of the year, then they should be must watch TV. You should want to sit down anytime they're on and check them out. So uh, I definitely, you know, feel like Davis is up there. And, you know, I, I, I won't be complaining if he wins player of the year. You know, he's been insane. He's been electric. Yeah, there's no doubt, and I think that um, I yeah, I just think the uh, I you know it's a weird thing. I think that over the course of the next couple of weeks in Big Ten play, I think I think that so much is going to change. And you know, I, preseason we talked about Jaden Ivy a lot, and you and I talked before, and mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he made a run and um, tried to get back in this conversation as efficient as he's been. If they can find a way to get, get him more votes. Or, I mean, I guess selfishly, that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I just think so much is going to change over the next couple of weeks. But there's no denying what some of these guys have done early in the year. And I think Wisconsin's at a point, too, where they're going to go as far as Johnny Davis can take them and yes. no further. I mean, there's really nobody else on that roster that is going to be able to carry that team the way that he does or even contribute to that team the way that he does. So that's I think that that's a guy right now that is going to have my vote for national player of the year. So kind of moving forward, mm-hmm. we um, we talked at the beginning of the year. We highlighted some of the mid-majors that we wanted to talk about uh, and thought teams that we thought had a good shot to make noise in March. So we're going to go back and take a look at three of those teams now and kind of where they sit. Uh, so we'll, I'll kick it to you and start your uh, pick or your sleeper pick to win, win the Missouri Valley, Chris. Yes, sir. Uh, Missouri State knocked off Loyola Chicago by double digits behind 40 uh, from Jamal Mosley the other day. Oh, yeah, Isaiah, Isaiah Mosley. Mosley, Jamal yeah. Mosley, Orlando Magic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but um, so Isaiah Mosley. Uh, Missouri State knocked off Little Chicago by double digits the other day, and they kind of have sit and made some noise. Talk to me about them. Yeah, man. Of course, you know, 
come into the year, Missouri State was a team that really intrigued me, and they were right there in the game, in some games with teams like Loyola, Chicago last season, and had a couple some close losses, but they returned so much talent. So I felt like they really, you know, were going to break out and showcase what all they could do, and they've been playing well. You know, fifteen and six. Uh, Mosley, he's someone I think is going to possibly get drafted. You know, performances like this when you're putting up forty points um, efficiently, too, at that, he fourteen for twenty two, uh, three for seven from three. So they have some scores. Prem, he had eleven. Clay, sixteen. They have some pieces, and they have the guard play, and we know. We know what the NCAA tournament is all about. If you have some guards who can get buckets, someone in crunch time who can make a play, you're going to have a great chance. And I think this team, with their guard play, is built to make – to at least make a run, you know, really give some teams some problems and, and be a difficult matchup. And if they fall, they lose, it won't be a blowout. You know, they're going to make the team work to beat them. I'm like so. talking about guard play. <laughs> So yeah, I'm 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 really liking what Missouri State has going on, and uh, just moving forward, just looking at the rest of the schedule this month. Yeah, and they're sitting tied with Loyola right now. They've played two more games than Loyola has. Uh, they've yeah. got in the one one also one more loss in that column. They lost to Northern Iowa by one. Uh, but yeah, they play Indiana State Tuesday, and then Evansville to finish out the month. They should win to get exactly. The six. Then they'll get Loyola again back at home. In February, um, that's and, other, and then they have to travel to northern or they have to travel to northern Iowa. But other than that, the schedule is pretty manageable. There's a case to be made that this team's going to finish with the one seed in the Missouri Valley. Exactly. And I don't think that a lot of people would have expected coming in unless you listen to this podcast. <laughs> but, yeah, so. yeah. So point being, they they've been really good. Um, another team that's been really good in the Mountain West, I think to the surprise of few, is Colorado State. Um, mm-hmm. Not sitting in first right now. They dropped a game to San Diego State. Um, so they're sitting kind of a game out of first. But they're 15-1 and one overall. It's the Colorado State Rams. Uh, they've been everything that we expected them to be and more. They, even if they don't find a way to win this conference, they're in the tournament. This is an at-large team. This is a top 25 team in the country. It's a top 25 team. They have no issues getting in. Uh, it's a team that's been led by the two guys that we talked about. Uh, we talked about in the preseason. They, they're they led by David Roddy and Isaiah Stevens. Mm-hmm. Uh, averaging almost 19 a game. Stevens right at 15. Stevens at one point was one of the nation's leader in assists. He still sits about five and a half assists per game. Um, so, and then they've gotten key contributions from guys like, uh, like Tanjay and Thomas off the bench and, They've just found a way to be super deep and super effective no matter what five are on the floor. Uh, I watched that San Diego State game. It kind of got away from them in the second half. I don't think that those teams are 30 points apart. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think it's where, you know, snowball effect, things just kind of start to go wrong and what will go wrong uh, does go wrong. So I think that's kind of what happened there. Colorado State couldn't put the ball in the basket in that second half. So that's kind of where that stood there. But, you know, that's their only loss of the year. They've got quality wins. Um, Mississippi they, State. Yeah, they, play, they beat Mississippi State. They – let's see, who else did they get on here? They had games canceled. I hate that we never got to see them play Alabama. I know. I know. I was looking forward to that one. Yeah, they beat last year's tournament Cinderella Oral Roberts. They beat Creighton. Um, they have a great resume. 
Yeah, they beat St. Mary's, they beat Mississippi State. So they've picked up quality wins along the way. Uh, and then not to mention outside of the one loss to San Diego State on the road, they've pretty much had their way in conference play. Finished up, they beat Air Force 73-53 to 53 yesterday. Uh, had a win over San Jose State by 36 uh, last Saturday. So, I mean, they've, they're, still, they're still rolling. Uh, they'll get another shot here at San Diego State. Their next game is going to be one to watch. They've got Nevada at home, uh, which will be interesting. Uh, and then they'll get another shot at San Diego State come the start of February, and it'll be back at home on a Friday night, 8 o'clock. Uh, so you'll get – it'll be a raucous environment, and they'll get another shot to kind of right the ship there against San Diego State. So it's a team that I really like in March. I think it's a team that's depth and guards allow them to make a run because it goes – it's so much bigger than one or two guys. I think that they're well coached. Mm-hmm. Medved's done a heck of a job. And I, it's a team that, you know, we talked about in the preseason, and I think it's a team that has every chance to make a run. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I agree, and <laughs> I, I wouldn't be shocked if they make a, a Sweet 16 type of – have a Sweet 16 type of season. Yeah, but I even think, like, I think that that's probably the reasonable expectation. But, I mean, if you told me that there's a path where Colorado State ended up playing for a bid to the Final Four, I mean, I wouldn't be just totally floored. Mm-hmm. I mean, just parts and the way that things go and kind of get crazy, you know, an upset or two in their quadrant, and you tell me that they become the dominant team in their region and end up finding a way to win, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And, I mean, it's a team, too. Especially that, as experienced as they are, as we talked about at the beginning of the season. And it'll be interesting to see what the committee does with them because they are a mid-major, technically, to an extent. Um, if they win their conference and only lose two or three games, are they going to be seeded as a, an eight seed? Like, is this a team that's going to have a chance to go out of one seed in the second round? Because if you're a one seed, like, that's not what you want. Like, you don't want the, you know, 28 and three Colorado State mm-hmm. Rams eight seed. Mm-hmm. Um, is, or is it a team that, you know, the committee respects and they end up as a – you know, a four seed and yeah. it's plays and gets a chance to play. Um, I really would hate for it to be seated as an eight seed. Yeah, you just never know. I think it's just super weird with with mid-major teams and even with San Diego State for a while when they were undefeated, it was like almost like people were doubted it and uh, had questions about it and weren't sure whether or not they were going to get a one. A lot of times with these teams out, of, out west in the Mountain West, you just kind of almost have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't think they're going to have any issues getting in. I think it's more of a, you know, I do have questions about how they're going to end up seated. So, and I mean, I, I hate that for the high major programs too, because I mean, you end up with 28 and three Colorado state and you're, you know, as your eight seed or your seven seed and you're mm-hmm. just like, you got screwed. Cause it's not, it's not a seven seed. Um, yeah, but we'll move forward. We're going to go to the conference USA. Uh, it's a team that we both mentioned we both really liked. Power 5 transfer heavy. Uh, UAB got a huge win against uh, against La Tech. Both those teams, uh, probably the front runners in the Conference USA this year, mm-hmm. uh, North Texas. Uh, North Texas beat UAB, I think, and then UAB beat Louisiana Tech. So they're just kind of beating up on – or no, UAB both beat both North Texas and Louisiana Tech. So UAB has wins over both. Um, UAB's loss came to Rice. Yeah. All people. Um, so UAB 16 and four, it's a team we talked about. I'll let you, I'll let you get after this one. Uh, yeah. Coach Kennedy. Yeah. AK, he's doing his thing. You know, like you said, we, we, they brought in a lot of talent and then, uh, you give AK talent, you know, he's going to make something shake. 
So he he's, has his team working. Uh, Jordan Walker, a bucket, instant certified bucket, uh, put up 36. Yeah, he put up 36 on LaTeX. So he went bananas. Um, he's been a key piece for these guys. Of course, they also brought in a former Ole Miss player, K.J. Buffett. He's been a solid uh, post piece for them, doing all the dirty work. Uh, he's just one of those guys. He's going to get, you know, rebound, defend, and just play hard-nosed basketball. That was kind of pretty much his role at Ole Miss. He's embraced that and accepted that at UAB. So they have the pieces to to really kind of, you know, be another team that makes some noise and, and give teams problems and put up buckets in crunch time in the tournament. So, yeah, uh, I'm loving what AK is doing out there at UAB and another team to just keep your eye on. You know, we yeah, these teams beforehand, just keep watching. It's a team that gave West Virginia a scare. It's a team that went and played out West against San Francisco, who's one of the top mid-majors in the country and came up a little bit short. They have gone on the road and played SEC teams. I mean, they're battle-tested. They've found ways to win games. It's just going to be about – it's probably not a team that can get in um as an at-large they probably have to win their yeah. um, but you know it's a team that's scary and I mean I think that goes and just kind of casting all three of these teams I think all three of these teams are scary if they get into the tournament um out of the conference if yeah if, if all three of these teams get in, at least one of them will have an upset win um, yeah. in the tournament yeah no yeah I just think I think all three of these teams in terms of if any of them get in, I don't think it's the team that you – any of those teams are teams that you want to see in the NCAA tournament, especially with UAB's length on the wings. Like, I mean, they just mm-hmm. – K.J. Buffin, that's he, he's going to give you problems. And uh, the way that AK switches defenses and uh, gets creative with defending, and you always know it, uh, Andy Kennedy coach teams are going to find ways to get buckets. Mm-hmm. So, it's not a team you want to play, and AK has a lot of experience coaching in the tournament, and he's won games, he's made runs, so – uh, it's a scary team, I think, if you're in from a mid-major standpoint uh, in terms of a matchup. And it is a team that would likely be a 12-13 type seed. And that's not – and that's a really scary thought for a team who's sitting – who's who would be a four or five yeah. up with that team uh, that's brought in a bunch of power five talent and found a way to make it all They work. get a 12 seed. They are prime to whoop a five seed. 12-5, yeah. It's prime 12-5. Um, so – yeah, I mean it's it's a scary bunch. So we kind of we kind of hit that, and so we'll move we'll move into kind of our next little segment here. We're going to talk about so we're going to hit our three biggest surprises, um, and then we're going to hit our three biggest disappointments from the first three to four months of college basketball season. And I'll let you kind of take I'll let you lead off here. Surprise wise, uh, gotta go with Arizona. Um, Coming into the year, we both, you know, talked about – everybody knew about UCLA being, you know, one of the top preseason top five teams. Uh, I was very high on Oregon, um, still high on Oregon. But, you know, they've been somewhat of a – they've been a disappointment. But nobody kind of expected Arizona to be this nice. Uh, they've top three team in the country. Benedict Mathurin, he's been a stud. It's going to be a draft pick. Uh, one of the better guards in the country. And this team is just really shocked me. I mean, I, I thought they would be a solid team. I didn't know they were this nice. But um, you sit down and, and watch them play, they they get buckets. <laughs> they, they're one of the best offenses in the country. They get buckets. And it's, it's really 
honestly the best offense in the country. I don't think there's a conversation. You can't you can't name a better team on the offense than these guys. So uh, to go from a team that I thought was just a, another average Pac-12 team that'll make the tournament to looking like the best, well, you know, the best team in the conference and possibly the best team in the country. Yeah, that you gotta gotta give some love to Arizona. Yeah, no, and Tommy Lloyd's another one that if you wanted to vote for him for coach of the year, then you'd have every right to do it. He's come in and, you know, I think they were picked pretty regularly as third or fourth in the in the Pac-12, and they're sitting in a spot now where they're probably the favorite to win it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that it's, they've been really good, and it's a team that's right now is a one seed. So I think um, it's a scary team. They average 88 points a game. It's a team that gets a ton of buckets. And with that being the case – it's just a team you don't want to play. And I get that that's easy to say about a one seed, but anytime you have to prepare for a team that is so good and so efficient offensively that they can pretty much, you know, you're going to have to score 85 to win. It's just a huge problem. It is, especially in college basketball to be for a team to be so efficient, you know, offense is something that kind of lacks sometimes. Their teams will go through several droughts and spurts of not scoring. So for a team to be so consistent and so efficient at scoring, that's going to put a lot of pressure on you. Your not just your defense, but on your offense to perform as well. Yep. So I'll start with mine, and uh, I'm going to give you Providence. They're first in the uh, first in the Big East, and it's you know when we previewed the Big East earlier in the year, we didn't even talk about them. You know, mm-hmm. we talked about basically UConn, Xavier, and um, and Villanova as teams that would be you know contenders in that conference, and really only two of them. So. Providence is sitting in first place right now. They're 16 and two. Uh, they're a yeah. top 20 team. They're really balanced uh, with AJ Reeves and Durham at the guard spots. And then you've got Nate Watson holding things down uh, as their leading scorer at about 14 a game. But they've got four guys averaging double digits, another guy right outside of that at nine. Um, so you've, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a team that's really balanced. They're really physical. Uh, they're really well coached. Ed Cooley is one of my favorite coaches. Uh, it's a team that has continued to find ways to win games. And I don't think that really anybody saw that coming from Providence this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of see, we're going to learn about them pretty quick, how battle tested or how good they are and how battle tested they are. They go on the road to Xavier on Wednesday and they get Marquette next Saturday. Uh, they haven't played to my knowledge. They haven't played Bill. Yeah, they did play UConn. They beat UConn um, Saturday, 12, 18, and they beat Seton Hall. Uh, and then they've got a win over Mark Adams' Texas Tech team. So it's a team that's – and they beat Wisconsin. So it's a team, that, a team that's battle-tested. It's a team that's legitimate. Uh, it's a team with quality wins, and it's a team that I don't think ever anybody was really prepared for to be such a problem in March. So mm-hmm. I, it's a team I really like. It's a team I've watched a lot. Um, and I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how they go to work here throughout the – till the end of the year. Like, I mean, if they can find a way to win the Big East and get the auto bid there, like, that's a huge surprise. And it's a team – it's one of the best stories. And then Ed Cooley is another one you can throw in the Coach of the Year conversation. Like, mm-hmm. uh, if they find a way to pull that off. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's nothing more Providence than uh, just finding ways to win. And that's what they do. You know, they're a very scrappy team that just plays hard and, and they make it happen. So, that's Providence basketball for you. Absolutely. There's no doubt. And I'll let you kind of wrap it here with our third, uh, our third surprise. 
Third surprise, we kind of already touched on it a little bit before, but you know, just the Wisconsin Badgers with uh with JD with Johnny Davis and their ascension. Um, you know, we we spent a lot of time talking about other teams in the Big Ten, but didn't spend too much time talking about just what Wisconsin could possibly be and uh just with uh Davis's ascension this year and the leap he's taken as a player has really brought this team along and they're a top 10 team in the country. So uh, I give some love to the Badgers. Yeah, absolutely. And we talked about Johnny Davis and Tyler Wall a little bit. Um, but, and then we should mention though the job that Greg Gard has done. Uh, mm-hmm. it, I mean, he's been there forever and it's a guy that is consistent and he knows exactly what he wants to do. He knows exactly what he wants his teams to be. And Wisconsin's found a way to be efficient this year, and they found a way to win a ton of close games. And I think that one thing that Wisconsin's going to have to shore up down the stretch is the fact that they give up so many big runs. You know, it's a team that finds ways to win games or close games, but they also give up a lot of big runs. And I think eventually you're going to get in a place where you're – You can't make up for that big run that you give up can't continue to do that and continue to win close games. You need to keep your foot on people's throats and find ways to finish people. Uh, and if Wisconsin figures out how to do that, then they're going to be a real problem in March. But I think for now, that's kind of the biggest thing I'm watching with them um, in terms of, like, what what is their next step? They're already the eighth-best team in the country, but how do you continue to get better? Uh, and I think that that's probably – I think that's probably their next step. So we'll kind of flip to the other side here and talk disappointment. So, Chris, give me your first disappointment. First disappointment, oh, boy, I I hate to say it. I'm going to have to go ahead and go there. And uh, I know he just kind of got finished getting off his soapbox. Hopefully he doesn't – this podcast doesn't set him off again. But uh, rocking with the Memphis Tigers. <laughs> Penny yeah. Hardaway and the Memphis Tigers, 9-8 and eight so far this year. Um and as we record this, they're they're in the middle of a game right now with Tulsa. So it's possible that when this is released, they could be a 500 team. Um, yeah, they're down 12 in the first half. So it's not looking good. But this team, I expected so much because they have the talent is there. I know they dealt with injuries this and the third, but they still have so much talent, especially compared. Uh, I feel like to the rest of the league and. They have been terrible. Uh, they, they've lost some close games, but still, they just they haven't been able to to get those wins that you need. Especially, you know, when you look at the talent level this team has uh, with Imani Bates and stuff, someone who potentially uh, is looked at as a, a top five pick. You know, an elite talent, an elite scorer, and all the length this team possesses. I really thought the length would carry this team on defense and would help them, would lead them through the season to play very well. I know they didn't have a true point guard, don't have a true floor general, and that showed on offense. But I feel like their defense could carry them over, and it just hasn't. It hasn't. Well, I mean, Penny needs a point guard, and it's Penny's fault that he doesn't have a point guard. Um, mm-hmm. And I just think, too, the program's to a place, and you can tell with the way that Penny's acting in public, is that it's just gotten to a place where it's kind of toxic. Uh, mm-hmm. It's gotten where things are starting to rot from the inside out. Uh, and I, I I kind of question whether or not there's even anything there to make a run. They've had so many bad losses where they have to find a way to win the AAC tournament to even have a chance at the NCAA tournament now. Uh, 
Um, and and that just this team doesn't really seem like it can string enough together for enough consecutive games to make that happen. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's a team too that likely is going to have to battle from a multitude of days in order to make that happen when we get to that point in the AAC tournament. Uh, I mean, they're sitting right now in seventh as the seventh seed in the AAC. So, and could potentially drop even lower. And they're down 12 to a team that hasn't won a conference game. So, I mean, just a team, it's a team right now that hasn't it's no completely idea. apart, it's completely falling apart. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a stunning disappointment because I, they just have so much talent and they haven't been able to use it. And I don't really know what the answer is there. I think this, I mean, you think, I think this is what programs start to look like when change is imminent. Mm-hmm. Top mm-hmm. of the, uh, you know, and I think when you get public outbursts the way that Penny had the other day, uh, I, I think that that's when you kind of start to know that. The heat is on him, man. It's, it's getting to him. To, he's starting to feel it. And I think I think he doesn't really know how to fix this team, and so he's just going to do what he can. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I just – I don't know. It's just – it's kind of – I'm just floored at how bad they are. Yeah, the same, same. Um, but I think that, like I said, I think if they really bought into the defense and just saying we're not going to give up any buckets and just run, because that's what you have to do essentially when you don't have a point guard. This this is what's known. We know they can't really run half court often. So your best bet is literally just locking down, clamping up, and being using your athletes and just pushing it and creating your offense in the first ten seconds. And that's how they beat Alabama. Yeah. But when yeah. you don't do that consistently, this is what you get. This is the result. Right. And the other problem with running and going too is if your defense doesn't show up and you don't pack your defense, then that what's that's what leads to getting blown out. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's probably why you see Memphis dealing with so many deficits, um, large deficits um, in that in that conference because they don't. I think that they've gotten to a point where they don't pack their defense all the time. And it's um, hard. It's that's something too that's kind of tough to get the young kids to buy into. You know, mm-hmm. is everybody accepting your role? You're going to defend, and you you might not be the the isolation score you were you once were in high school, you had to accept a different role in college and getting everybody on one string on one accord. It's tough, but that's why they pay you. That's why you're the coach. You're supposed to be able to make that happen. So just to be able to figure it out. That's why you make the million. So I'll kind of move over here in the next one. Uh, I'll hit on the Michigan Wolverines. Yeah. So uh, it's a team that we talked about the guard Wolverines. It's a team that we talked about guard play in the preseason. You know, they were preseason labeled as a national title contender. Um, you and I cautiously bought into that, but said, listen, there's there's a chance that there's problems here. Mm-hmm. And there are indeed problems. Um, I think the biggest thing is actually the lack of development from Hunter Dickinson. Uh, you know, I think going into the offseason, a lot of people are like, wow, this guy has a chance to be a superstar if he can lose his right hand and, you know, can find ways to score more creatively, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a little mid-range game. And I just don't think – I mean, I think he's kind of the same player he was last year. And then I think that the guards for Michigan have taken a big step back. Mm -hmm. uh, And they can't guard anybody. I mean, they can't guard anybody. They don't really play defense. Uh, This is another team that's playing as we speak, by the way. They're eight and seven. 
Uh, but they've got a 17 to nine lead over 14 and four Indiana at us at, I think they're at assembly hall. They um, are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that would be a quality win for Michigan if they found a way to pull that off. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's a team that can't really guard anybody. It's a team that struggled. Um, it's a team that's taken bad losses with, and hasn't really just had a whole lot of great wins. Mm-hmm. And I think, and as a team that was preseason labeled as a national title contender, it's – I mean, I think if you were going to hammer Penny for coaching stuff and how bad they've been, I think Jawan Howard deserves the same level of, you know, criticism. And not – and granted, Jawan Howard has failed in a different way because he hasn't done it publicly. And, like, nobody doubts that Jawan Howard's a good basketball coach. It's just the building of this team has not been – what wins in college basketball. And I think that we had some concerns about that in our preseason episode. Um, yeah, I still I still bought into them thinking they were going to win the conference just because I, I like Caleb Houston and things have been difficult for him as well um, as a freshman this year. It's been a tough year for, for Houston. Yeah, I think – but I don't think that even in our wildest, you know, wildest concerns, we saw them eight and seven. No, at the- not at all. Like maybe this team struggles and is a five seed or something, and they kind of have a hard time figuring it out. Um, you know, I think people had higher. I think I had higher expectations um, for Devonte Jones. I mm-hmm. think that was going to be a more impact score. He's only averaging about eight and a half points per game. Um, it's just, yeah. I mean, it's a team. It's a team right now that I just have a hard time buying into. I think Eli Brooks really needed to take on a larger role than 12, than 12 a game. Like mm-hmm. they need more from him than that. Um, so, you know, I don't, and again, I don't know really what this team, I don't know what the answer is to getting them back and finding a way to become super competitive again. The good thing for them is there's a lot of quality opportunities left mm-hmm. and all you need to do is get in the tournament. So, you know, just find a way. Yeah, this is a critical stretch for them coming up. You know, they have this game against Indiana, which would be a, a big win. Then uh, Northwestern, take care of business and beat Northwestern. And then you go on the road to Michigan State. And if you get a win over Michigan State, you're back you're right back in. You have three straight wins right there and uh, potentially, you know, can be on the road moving forward. So this is a, it's a big week for them. Yeah. All right. We'll hit on this last one quickly. Um, just take about 30 seconds, hit your last disappointment real quick, and we'll kind of get into some of the games this week. Last disappointment real quick. <clears throat> Rock with Oregon. Uh, of course, you know, the Ducks, they've, uh, they've struggled. Of course, they did get a big win over UCLA, but it's been a bumpy road for them to start the season, and I expected more. Um, I know, you know, a uh, big Will Richardson fan. It's been some t- tough times for him, but – I think this team still has a chance to really bring it all together, but they have started off a little rocky, eleven and six. Um, expecting more of a fourteen and two type of year to start things off with them. Well, it's a team that lacks offensive cohes- cohesiveness. It's a team that hasn't played well together offensively, but that's the type of thing with chemistry and time uh, that can work itself out, and they can still make a run. The Pac-12 is not a conference um, that's so dominant that they can't get back in the hunt and find a way to get mm-hmm. in the tournament. There's the, that's the only one of the three where I really feel like like that team still has a chance to figure everything out. Right. Even if it takes them being a 10 seed and then finding and doing basically what they did last year. Um, that'll be that'll be the worst 10 seed matchup for somebody to play somebody. Oh, yeah, it'd be horrible because that means that they got right. Mm-hmm. All right, so moving forward, we're gonna kind of jump in and preview some of the games this week as we're recording this on Sunday. Um, and this you're probably listening to this on Monday, 
So we're going to lead in and talk about Monday night's matchup. Uh, it's a rematch in the Big 12. It's Mark Adams' Texas Tech bunch. They travel to Lawrence uh, to face Bill Self in Kansas. Texas Tech won the opener. I don't remember what the score was, but I remember Tech winning. I want to say it may have even been a fairly convincing win. Um, so, yeah, BPI at ESPN gives Texas Tech won by eight, 75-67. BPI has Kansas at a 76% chance to win. Tell, talk to me about some of the things you're looking for in this one. This, I'm really trying to see, uh, you know, I guess really the defense in this matchup. We know Tech is going to defend. Can Kansas be able to, to match Tech's defense? And also, you know, Bryson Williams, he's someone that's played very well for Tech. Uh, how does Kansas look to slow him down and everything that he can do? Because he can, he can score the uh, basketball. He can get boards. Um, you know, we know everybody that plays for Tech you're going to have to play defense. So, you know, if you're going to play, be on the floor for a Texas Tech type of team, uh, he defends well. So it's, it should be a, a nice little physical battle. Um, and I'm kind of curious, too, to see how Tech reacts playing at uh, Lawrence. Yeah, so Kansas is a seven-point favorite in this one. Uh, and I'd be, I'll be interested to see how Kansas handles that no-middle defense because that's kind of been their kryptonite over the years because they really like to get inside mm-hmm. and – McCormick and find ways to get in those driving lanes and tech doesn't allow you to do that. So how does Bill self adjust and allow for, um, you know, allow for guys like Oshai Abaji and then create. Opportunity. He's going to have to go off. I don't think they're going to let Dickinson uh, work. Yeah. This is just a, um, you know, this I mean, is, yeah, this is just a tough matchup for Kansas. Like and it has been for years now, even when beer is coached. So, you know, you kind of wonder, how they kind of figure out how to solve that tech defense. And, you know, I think Kansas probably wins a close one. It's really hard to win in Lawrence. Now, granted, these tech tech teams have done it before. Um, I just don't know that tech has the guy to take over the game. I, and Terrence Shannon Jr. could be that guy. Kevin McCuller did it at Baylor. Um, I just don't know that tech has a guy tomorrow in an individual matchup that's going to be able to take over said individual matchup enough. Um, for them to yeah. go. They don't have the, you know, Agbaji. You know, we, we know if you give him the rock, he's going to get buckets for Kansas. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Yeah, I mean, you just have guards for Kansas, I think, that are really capable of scoring there. Um, so, so, are you picking Kansas here? I'm picking Kansas, yes. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, okay, and then Tuesday night out west, we just talked about the Pac-12 a little bit, massive matchup. Uh, Arizona travels to Poly Pavilion. They get to play UCLA. UCLA hasn't been super disappointing. Still a top 10 team. Um, still lots of talent. Just got Hawkeyes back. They mm-hmm. host Arizona, who's been one of our biggest surprises and one of the nation's biggest surprises uh, for for this season. I mean, I don't. how do you think this plays out? I'm going with Arizona. Uh, I still love Hawkeyes, but I'm going with Arizona. And I know it's at Poly, but there won't be uh, – the crowd won't be a factor. And I think that's kind of huge in a matchup like this to not have that crowd. If Oregon has already proven you can go on the road and beat this team in Poly with how things are out there in uh, L.A. right now. So I think this offense has a chance to – be clicking just as well as it has been all year. And I expect Arizona to kind of win this one uh, 
and easily. I expect like an eight to twelve point victory. I don't think it's going to be close. Yeah, the I think the, it's going to be interesting to see how Mick Cronin, who's super defensive minded, matches up with Tommy Lloyd, who's almost. I mean, he's as offensive minded as Cronin is defensive minded. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be curious to see what does it like who can get to their game like is this game played in the 60s and this or the low 70s or is this game going to be played at Arizona's tempo and be played in the you know in the mid 80s mid 80s high 80s yeah and I think so I mean I think that that kind of determines who wins this game who can get to what they want to do and um who can impose their will on the other team and I, I'm actually going to go UCLA here. Uh, I think it's a team that really needs a quality win. I think it's a team at home that needs to find a way to to prove that they're still the elite team that they were last year. And I think you and I, even though we thought they'd be good, uh, we didn't really think that they were national title contenders, I think, coming into this year. Mm-hmm. So it's a team that if they're going to be what they expected to be, then this is a game you have to win. Like, it feels like a must-win spot for UCLA. Um, so I'm going to take the Bruins here. I think that they find a way to get to their game. This game's played in the 70s, and UCLA finds a way to to beat Arizona and Pauly, and then we get to have a lot of fun Pac-12 discussion over the next couple of weeks. All right. Gotcha. So the last three kind of taking place on Saturday – um, we'll start kind of an underrated matchup going back to Texas Tech, playing in Lubbock, hosting Mississippi State in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. It's a matchup that we're kind of both intrigued by, especially with Tech coming right off of this Kansas game. Mm-hmm. Uh, a team that has some interesting wins and has a lot of talent, suffered a big injury loss on Saturday uh, with Tolu Smith, but quite frankly, he's been out a lot of this year. They like them playing without him won't be anything new for them. Mm-hmm. So it's a team that's looking for big wins and looking to establish credibility with the selection committee. Uh, it's a Texas Tech team playing at home coming off Kansas. So, like, this has has some intrigue to it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to rock with Tech in this one because you, you can never just bet on Mississippi State to win. You can't pick Mississippi State to win games matchups like this you can they might win this matchup but you can never be like i'm going to pick mississippi state i've watched too much mississippi state basketball to choose them to win a matchup like this but i would not be shocked if they win this one because they need it they absolutely need it they've they've they lost to colorado state they lost to other really good teams they're finally trying to get that resume together within the conference but if you can win this matchup or this out of conference matchup and put this on your resume that will be critical for this team that's trying to make a ncaa tournament appearance come march so i'm rocking with tech but this is definitely uh a much like a must win game for the bulldogs really yeah i mean it, it really is i mean they have to find they have to find a way to get these quality quality wins or else it's going to be a team that has a decent record but gets left out due to the lack of quality wins. They're right on the bubble. These are games you have to find a way to win. I'm taking Tech. I just think they're that much better. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think Tech, even at their 19th-ranked spot, are probably a little bit under underrated still. Mm-hmm. I think the team I have closer to the top 10. And I just think going on the road – and Lubbock has become a sneaky, hostile environment. And so I think that they're going to have that place packed out. God forbid they beat Kansas. 
uh, in Lawrence. Uh, it'll be raucous. I, I just think it's going to be a tough environment for Ben Howland's bunch to go in and get a win. But, I mean, I think it's a close game. Like, I think that this is a game where uh, Mississippi State keeps it within two to three possessions, and we kind of – they make Tech sweat for the majority of the night. I think their size inside, you'll be able to cause them some problems mm-hmm. uh, because they're going to be able to really compete on the glass. Uh, it's just they really need their guards to win there, and I think it's – I have a hard time believing that uh, – Molinar's going to have to be big. If, if they win, it's because of uh, Iverson Molinar. And Molinar is one of the least underappreciated – or he's one of the most underappreciated guards in the country. But with that being said, Terrence Shannon Jr. is also really good, uh, mm-hmm. and also they can kind of throw multiple bodies at him and show him some different looks with Kevin McCuller as well as Terrence Shannon. I'm curious to see who checks Shannon majority of the time. Do you throw a DJ Jeffries on him, or is it going to be some a lot of Cam Matthews because he's their best defender? I know, and the problem is, I mean, like the when you throw a guy like that on on Molinar, you have to. You have to account for McCuller, too, because while McCuller doesn't present the same elite scoring threat that Shannon does, he does present the facilitating the offense threat that Shannon almost doesn't. Like, he can still score. I think he's averaging about 15 a game. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's also a guy that's a great passer and can facilitate everything for them. And, you know, if it's a game where Shannon doesn't isn't super active because they throw their best – their best defender at him. I think it's still a game where Tech's offense can facilitate and essentially play four on four and find a way to still win the game. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's a, I think there's a lot of matchup problems there for Mississippi State. Um, so I'll take Tech. I think it's fairly close just because of how desperate Mississippi State's going to play, mm-hmm. and I think that that accounts for a lot in situations like these. But I think home court and matchups are probably just too much for them to overcome here. So we'll go. We'll go Baylor, Alabama next, and then we'll close with the granddad. Um, so Baylor, Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Alabama had a case for going on the disappointments list this year. They're fourteen and six. Mm-hmm. They look like they're playing better basketball. Just beat LSU uh, in Tuscaloosa, and now they get a chance at home to really stack one of those quality wins on their resume. They missed an opportunity playing Auburn earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. They get who's Ben Cold coming to Tuscaloosa next week. Yeah, this is a it's a very interesting, intriguing matchup because uh, we know Baylor's defense is elite. You know they they bring it on that side of the ball, but if there's a team that's going to stress your defense and really challenge you and force you to defend, it is Alabama with all the shooting threats. We know how uh, Coach Oates the type of style of play he loves to run. Uh, they're going to shoot threes and they're going to attack the basket. So uh, this is a team that needs this win. I'm going to go Baylor. But, again, we talked about how Mississippi State desperately needs to win over Tech. You know, Bama, they really need this win over Baylor, and you can't underrate that. And uh, I would not be shocked if they come out shooting it, jacking it up, and knocking down threes. And it might be one of those nights where Bama gets hot and gets the win. But uh, I'm going to choose Baylor. One of the big questions is, too, is with the Kenjo out, do they get a Kenjo back for this game, Baylor? And, so, I mean, if they get him back, that's obviously a huge add. I'm, I'm still rolling with Alabama. Like, I think I think it's a team that has found ways to lose some close games and they've found creative ways to make games close. But I think it's a team, too, that has shot from three worse than they probably should with the looks that they create. Mm-hmm. They create a lot of really good looks from deep, and I think it's a matter of time before their shooters start to knock down open shots. Uh, I think that their offense will be able to kind of get into some tempo and create some open looks. I think it'll be a hostile environment in Tuscaloosa for the big game. 
And I, I just think Alabama is going to be playing with a desperation. And I think when you have that level of desperation and you can get your home crowd into it behind you, as opposed to like Mississippi state being on the road, mm-hmm. I think when you get your crowd behind you, you have to play and you're playing with that level of desperation and you can find ways to create open looks um, because you really do that against everybody. Right. I think that that's a team that can find a way to it's, get the job done. Yeah. It's, it's really just a matter too, though, which, which Alabama guards do we get? Like, yeah. do we get good Jaden Shackelford or do we get bad? You know, who Jaden up a lot of threes and missing them. Is J.D. Davison, is, does he play big time? He's an extremely talented freshman, someone who very possibly will leave to go to the NBA draft this year. Does he have a big night? So uh, those are the two guys I'm really looking at to see what kind of games they have. I just think it's a complete effort from Alabama. I think they've been kind of tinkering, and I think that they're starting to figure some stuff out. Uh, I think that they'll probably limp by in the midweek getting ready for this, and they may not look great going into the Baylor game. And I think that you get their A++ game on Saturday. All right. Finishing up and going back to Lawrence. Yes. uh, Kansas-Kentucky Saturday, two national title contenders, two teams that have most definitely not been disappointments. Mm Mm-hmm. And one team who has really, over the last couple of weeks, started to launch themselves into the conversation as potentially being one of the two or three best teams in the country in Kentucky. Uh, but going to Lawrence is hard. Uh, Kansas is the big, the big, uh, the big man matchup is going to be phenomenal between Shebway and uh, Devin McCormick. Mm-hmm. That guard play, <clears throat> the guard play will be great. I, there's just a lot of these are both two really good teams. Um, so, give me your thoughts and where you're where you think you're headed. Uh, this this Kentucky team just struggles so much to get that 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 necessary road win. They got a, a needed one over A and M, but they lost they lost to LSU. They lost to Auburn, and both of those games injuries were very key factors. So we'll see is Ty Ty Washington playing in this game. Because he knew he suffered an ankle injury in the Auburn matchup. So will he be available for this one? If he is. Then Kentucky has a great chance of winning. They're they're a different team when he's on the court. He's that go getter. He's uh they announced today that he's day to day. So he's day to day. So it's very well a chance that he should be playing for that game if he's day to day. Um, if he's out there though, then that's that will sway my decision one way or another. If he's not playing, I'm going Kansas. If he is playing, I'm going Kentucky. Um, and Look out for the Cats to push the tempo. They're the best team in the conference in transition, and they also have that floor general that can create the offense with Sabir Wheeler. Um, He's going to be playing. Yeah, he suffered an injury as well. So, but if yeah, that's that's really the key in this matchup. The guards are these guards available? If they are available, then Kentucky probably wins, even though it's in Lawrence. And if they aren't available, then it's definitely Kansas. Because this yeah. team cannot run off Kentucky. We saw in the Auburn game, they, their offense was really tough, really bad without those two. Uh, are you picking if Ty Ty's in and Severe's out? If Ty Ty is in and Severe's out, I go Kansas. I'm still going Kansas. I, I kind of feel like Severe is kind of needed in this matchup, even though he can be really good and really bad at times, uh, can be a liability shooting wise sometimes. In matchups like this, we're in a hostile environment. At, the, at uh at Allen Fog House, um yeah, I need Severe on the court, so I'm gonna go with 
Kansas if he's not available. I'll go Kentucky. I I really I really love the way this team plays. And I think that Sheboy has the ability to take away McCormick in this matchup. And I think that puts a ton of pressure on Oshai Abaji. And I think I'm assuming I'm going to assume that Kentucky is healthy. Uh, well, yeah. And while you mentioned McCormick, uh, yeah, McCormick, um, he could do that in a way he wouldn't be able to have done against Walker Kessler. Like those, those two bigs are complete opposites. Walker Kessler is, he's very athletic. You know, he's it's just a different skill set than McCormick brings. And that's, uh, Sheboy struggled with him. But I, like you said, I think he could really enforce his will in this matchup. Yeah, and I think that as long as Sheboy can stay out of foul trouble, I think he can cause some problems here uh, for McCormick. And I think it also, I think this may be like Kellen Grady shining moment. Like I think on the wing, this may be a game where he gets a ton of open looks and has the ability to knock those out. I think it's a guy that's been creeping closer and closer to a breakout. Overshadowed mm-hmm. uh, by Sheboy and even Ty Ty at this point. Um, so I think it's a guy that's creeping closer and closer to a breakout. And I think that we're going to get a, Kel- a Kellen Grady game soon. That, and that will definitely happen. I feel like if one or both guards are out, because I think Kentucky kind of figured it out too, though, if we don't have Ty Ty or Severe on the court, then our best bet in half court is just literally running Kellen off the screens and just figuring out ways to get him some kind of space. Yeah. So I, I'm going to take Kentucky. I'm going to assume that. Uh, that they come in healthy, uh, kind of with some of the injuries we got today. And I'm going to take Kentucky to kind of assert themselves as a national title contender in Lawrence on Saturday and in a, in a game that <clears throat> is basically an instant classic. I think it's a really good game, comes down to the last possession, uh, but Kentucky is the one that comes out on the other side of that in Lawrence. Interesting. You, you think Kentucky's a possible national title contender. Wow. I do. I think that they're that good. I think that they're starting to fulfill the potential that I thought they would play with immediately. I thought it was a team that would start fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as Calipari's teams do, they get better as the year goes on, and this team is definitely starting to get better. Uh, and if they continue to get better and better, it could be scary what they look like in a couple of months. That is a talking piece for the next podcast. I can't wait to dive into that. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, We'll dive into that and more over the next couple of weeks. We're going to kind of wrap this show up and we look forward to kind of watching all the games this week. Uh, Chris, tell the people where they can follow you at on Twitter so that when we go 0-5 on these picks, they can hit us up. And <laughs> Yeah, um, when we blow all these picks, you can get at me at Chris underscore Bolton underscore 12 on Twitter and uh, we'll, we'll shoot the pod out. You know, we're always watching hoops, tweeting. So just get at us. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, of course, we'll be tweeting about these games and how wrong we are when uh, our picks prove themselves to be wrong. Yep. And then you can follow me at WalkerBailey8 on Twitter. Uh, and make sure you go over and check uh, check out the good folks at OffTheBallNetwork.com. Yes. Uh, they're going to – they do a lot of help. They help us a lot here uh, with this podcast. They help a lot with other podcasts at OffTheBallNetwork.com can get all your sports needs as far as right. Oh, yeah. All the content is heating up. Playoffs, NFL playoffs, all the NFL content is is great stuff over there. So Some of the guys we talked about, uh, looking at NBA draft stuff, NFL draft, everything you could possibly need starting to come out at offtheballnetwork.com. So make sure to go check that out. Uh, and we're going to wrap it here. So we're out. <laughs>